Welcome to Pretend I Know Nothing About. I'm Katie White, your host, administrator of COAAA. On this episode, we hear from Tamara James, Director of Strategic Initiatives, about her work on our strategic area plan. Let's get into it. All right. So welcome to the podcast, Tamara. Hello. Hello. Can you start off by telling us your title and a little bit about your role? Uh, my title is Director of Strategic Initiatives, and my role is to manage our communications team and our our brand presence in the community. It's also to um, monitor and develop our strategic area plan for the Department of Aging, the Ohio Department of Aging, and that is uh, a uh, an ongoing process, but really heats up every four years as uh, as we develop a new plan. Okay. So before we get all the way into the plan, which I think is riveting, um, tell us a little bit about your career path. I feel like that's a, always a fun piece for people to hear about. I was a... Um, late bloomer in terms of my professional career. I graduated from college when I was 30. And really, since then, I've been in the in a in a helping profession. So I first started doing job placement for people with disabilities. And then I um, entered into the aging network. I was uh, spent 16 years at the state office of AARP Ohio and really worked on member and um, community outreach, helping to connect people to services and information that helped them navigate um, getting older, navigate um, advocacy for themselves and for um, older adults. And then I've been here at COAAA for almost six years. That's great. And if uh, people don't know Tamara or haven't had a chance to work with her yet, um, I encourage you to stop by. Tamara's very funny. You know I love funny. Um, but also, I mean, what you know and what you've done brings so much to the team. Um, and you might laugh at this, but your ability to be honest in all situations is such a value and I know we always kind of laugh about it but but for real there is um there's a need for that and so I just so appreciate getting to work with you right well I Katie and I've worked together since the age-friendly initiative here in Columbus when I was um interim state director at AARP Ohio and we have pictures together before we really got to got a chance to work together really deeply. So we go way back. Maybe that's why I like you so much, because you said yes to the age-friendly work, and that really defined a lot of right. my career. Absolutely. I never thought about that. Okay. Well, okay, again, so you do a number of different things all around the agency, but for today's episode, we are going to focus on the area plan. So kind of give us the background. What is it? Why do we do it? The area plan is, so this is my, I've done two uh, four-year plans now at the agency. Uh, the area plan is required by the Older Americans Act, which is the federal act that created area agencies on aging. And every four years in Ohio, we are required to develop and submit a strategic area plan to the Ohio Department of Aging. Um, and then ODA creates their state plan on aging with the input and integration of all 12 area agencies on aging's strategic area plan. So it's integrated, it's um, cohesive, it really addresses 
the needs of older adults in the state and the trends uh, that are affecting the aging network and older adults. So the um, state plan and the strategic area plan for this period run from January of 2023 to December of 2026. Um, And it really... Older adults in Ohio and in the uh, Older Americans Act are established as 60 and over, but the area plan also emphasizes services not just to the 60-plus population and not just to those people who are receiving services, but any um, older adult in our region and also some priority populations, uh, older individuals who have um, economic the greatest economic need, Um, individuals who are from diverse backgrounds, um, individuals who have limited English proficiency, as well as individuals living in rural areas. So here in in our region, we have Franklin County on the one end of the spectrum, which is very metropolitan. And then we have Fayette County, which is very rural. And I think they told me 90% of their um, county is still farmland. So it's quite a range that we serve here in our region. And so every area agency on aging in the U.S. does their version of an area plan. Is that right? Yes. Some states might have a two-year or a three-year cycle. In Ohio, we have a four-year cycle. And every county in the U.S. is served by an area agency on aging. So there are 622 area agencies on aging or AAAs, and they're all writing their area plans at some point or another. Okay. And then in Ohio, every area agency on aging is doing them every four years. Right. They probably all look very different, which is the point of it, right? So that it actually is reflective of the community you're serving. Right. And then that four-year plan gets fed up into ODA. Right. Do they approve it? Do they certify it? What do they What do, they do with it? They do. Uh, we submit our strategic area plan to the Ohio Department of Aging, and they review it and um, provide feedback. And sometimes we have to do revisions. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's a it's a um, approval without revisions. But the, um, the process is really um, pretty lengthy because part of the area plan is to develop a needs assessment, which really identifies um, what are the trends, what are the needs, what are the unmet services or gaps in services in our region. Um, And in addition to the regional needs assessment that we conducted in, um, it was actually, we started it in 2021, even though our plan wasn't due until 2022, kind of mid-year 2022, we really needed to get, kind of back it up, back up the process, get it started create it and develop it. We did it in collaboration with the age-friendly Columbus and Franklin County and the Franklin County Office on Aging. We did a collaboration so that we could really um, beef up the the needs assessment. And it also gave us a chance to hear the thoughts and experiences of older adults here in Central Ohio to determine um, what their thinking about aging was and what they identified as needs or what they anticipated their needs to be, even though they don't have a crystal ball and everybody thinks they're going to drive forever and everybody thinks they're going to have access to transportation forever, but the the reality isn't necessarily the same as our perceptions. Mm -hmm. And so the area plan helps us identify those 
intended gaps or those expected gaps in services so that we address the need, the current needs or get ahead of the future needs. Okay. And so in addition to the survey, are there focus groups or listening sessions? We did. We did focus groups in the right in the depths of COVID. Mm. Um, but the good news was that, you know, it's the unintended consequence. It's a silver lining. We were able to do them um, in all eight counties, we did one in person and one on uh, on Zoom. We did them virtually. So that it really extended our ability to hear input from focus group participants. So we heard, um, you know, we had people on Zoom telling us their thoughts and experiences. That, and really, those individuals who live in the county are the experts about what's happening in their county. We aren't as knowledgeable about what's happening in Fayette County as somebody who lives there. And so that was really helpful for us to be able to know what's happening on the ground, what, um, what the situation is and how it's different across all eight counties. Yeah. And that community engagement is so important because like you said, we can kind of have our assumptions about what people might want and need, but it truly is important to make sure that we're gathering that whether through a survey um, or through these listening sessions and focus groups to make sure our plan reflects the true need. Right. So, okay, it's written for a four-year period, and then there's an annual update, which you are in the thick of or done with. Yes, the annual update happens um, usually kind of quarter three. It's usually due at the end of October. And so we are in the home stretch here on our area plan updates for the uh, for this current year. So the area plan consists of both our um, listed objectives and then updates against those objectives, any outcomes, any adjustments. We can add objectives. We can um, delete objectives. If something that we had planned to do is suddenly provided by a new um, agency or is not no longer an issue, we can take objectives off. Um, and then we also have uh, new budgets that we create for every every um, new year. And then we also have uh, public hearing. And that is um, our um, opportunity to present and request approval and comments uh, for the funding that we um, are proposing that we retain to provide services. So traditionally, we've had uh, a few areas where we where we retain funding so that we can effectively and efficiently provide services. And that public hearing is um, has very strict guidance around um, what we have to do to prepare, what we have to do to report. And so that uh, we did that earlier in September. And so we are in good shape with the public hearing and the outcome of that. So we are close to done. You're killing it. And um, there's a lot of people involved across the agency in the various objectives in the plan. And so you have the lovely task of sort of harnessing all of the feedback <laughs> and updates and, um, you know, giving us a tight timeline and sending us rem reminders. And I'm speaking from my own place, <laughs> still missing the deadline. My apologies. Um, so, yeah, there is this annual piece around I guess, providing us the flexibility to change based on what's going on, which is nice. Right. But right. then also to show our progress on the things that are in the plan. Right. I'm I'm that person that nobody wants to see coming at them during area plan update <laughs> period because they know I'm going to ask them, like, where is your update? 
you know, when is it coming? What do you need from me? What do you need me to tell you? So we do have a lot of people involved in our updates and in our area plan. We have our fiscal team and we have um, updates from our funded partners about their waiting lists or hmm. whether they have a waiting list and what their um, what their proposed solution is to serving people on the waiting lists. We have um, staff leads for every objective so hmm. that um, – we don't have objectives with no kind of no home or no owner. Um, we have uh, our education and outreach team is very involved in the updates, whether it's Medicare education or caregiving services and support. Um, it's our volunteer guardian program team and our a volunteer and engagement um, person. It's our housing team. Communications has a role. We report on our activities in the, um, whether it's social media or direct mail or outreach to other partners, we report on that in our area plan as well. And so there's lots and lots of people involved. Our leadership team is included in developing new programs and new services and reporting on the progress for those. So then it doesn't include anything we do in case management. It really doesn't. These are Title III programs, which is uh, the funding um, area of the Older Americans Act. And so those are very specifically um, targeted to um, some areas of um, the title that are specific to um, transportation or um, evidence-based programming, which is um, healthy kind of healthy aging and chronic disease management, um, falls prevention, things like that, caregiving services, um, supportive services, which is a large category of things like Meals on Wheels and um, Senior Farmer's Market Nutrition Program. Okay. So our traditional Older Americans Act programs, which is only a small part of what area agencies do overall anymore. And so our Title III funds are also um, designated in the fo- in the Federal Older Americans Act. So Title III funds as well as the area plan. And they're supposed to really kind of speak to each other and support each other, right? So like what's in the area plan as needs should in theory also be supported by the Title III funds that we either waiver and keep internally right. or – do an RFP and grant out to other organizations. Right. So every um, every four years, and we just went through this process, we have a re- request for proposals and providers, potential providers submit their, um, their applications for funding. And those should really align with the areas that we've identified as current or future needs for supporting older adults in our region. So for instance, um, transportation has always a need. So new transportation providers, increased transportation is always one of the things that we're looking at. Although, you know, budget is finite. So even though transportation needs could sometimes feel infinite. So, Mm -hmm. Okay. So the Title III is also a four-year process. But it's not the same four-year process, right? Because we're in year two of the area plan, whereas we're getting ready to embark on year one of right. the Title III funds. Right. We have uh, we've talked about and tried to align the whole process. It's it's so complicated because it is a four-year funding contract, but we don't get the budget allocation necessarily at the 
it's kind of off cycle. And so we're a little bit um, ahead of or behind, depending on where you're looking at it. Um, the, the interesting thing is because of how we are structured, it's a four-year contract for Title III funds, but it's a one-year contract for the funding. So every year we have to have new contracts to allocate funding. And that means every year we have to also do a new public hearing. (laughs) So if we had the ability to write four-year contracts and do four-year funding, we would only have to do one public hearing every four years. But, you know, it's, it's pretty turnkey. It's just, you know, kind of getting, for me, it's getting everything organized and then being able to present it on Zoom, which means we have more participants, which is in some ways better because it doesn't feel like talking to an empty room because it's right. not. <laughs> right. Because people are there. Right. Yeah. And they have questions and they want to look at the at the at the documents before the uh, before the hearing. And so, you know, it's we have more people engaged because we're able to do it virtually. So we'll have another episode on the whole Title Three process, but um for those listening, if it feels a little complicated, it's because it is, right? right? So right. we've got these different timelines and these different contract um, lengths and when they're coming in and how they're going out. So it's kind of a lot. And it it took me probably, and I'm still learning, but it took me the, the better portion of my first year to really feel like I even had a handle on some of this. Right. Yeah. Right. It's like they're both moving targets and they're moving in different directions. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And the Older Americans Act, is it's been around for 50 years now. And it's its the legacy of area agencies, but it's also um, kind of the tradition, but we're still evolving and innovating. And so it there's a little bit of tension between where we've been, where we still are, and where we need to go, and how we can fit that into the into the Title III process and into the Older Americans Act process, knowing that it is a big part of us, but it's not all of us. Yeah, yeah, that's so well said. It makes me think about um, how so much of what we're doing in the area plan and our Title III funding also then ties into our advocacy. So you said earlier the money is finite, and not only is the money finite, but the way that we can spend the money is pretty restricted. So then obviously our plan is going to reflect how we know our funds can be spent while also balancing what we know our needs are in the community. Right, right. One of the um, really, I think, relevant and to to us and probably to listeners is we can't use Title III funds on Uber or Lyft for transportation because the individuals who are driving aren't um, aren't trained for helping older adults with their transportation needs. But sometimes that's all someone needs to be able to get to an appointment is a ride that they can do on demand. But we can't fund that through Title III funds. Right, right. And I think part of what I'm learning just finishing up my first true Title III RFP process is um, while it's really difficult to make these decisions, even as a team and, you know, um, operationalizing our scoring process, the unmet need then becomes that really necessary data to use for advocacy. Right. Um, And we're in the middle of an Older Americans Act reauthorization and update, right? So there's just a lot of moving parts right now in this area. Right. We have 400 people on staff here at COAAA, and that is probably 
even if we all did nothing but advocacy all the time, we still wouldn't necessarily be able to move the needle as far and as fast as we want to. Mm-hmm. You know, we have our, our biannual, biannual state budget process, which gives us an opportunity to advocate for funding and services and changes. And then, as you mentioned, the reauthorization of the Older Americans Act, which also gives us the chance to modernize and advocate for changes. But it doesn't happen as fast or as effectively as as we'd like. Yeah, yeah. Despite our darndest, at least we know <laughs> the parts and pieces we can control are really well done and are consumer focused and are reflective of what's going on in Central Ohio. So our current plan, what are some of the objectives in it or some of the focus areas? Just kind of talk about some of that. So as part of the area plan process, the ODA created a structure that was a little bit, it was a a lot more simplified than it was the first area plan I did when I started here in 2017, 2018. Um, We have 15 issue areas and um, six kind of, six focus areas with 15 issue areas. And we have probably 29, something like 29 objectives in those areas. Um, One of the newest, I think, um, or increased focus areas is helping people improve their financial stability, whether it's accessing um, SNAP food assistance or accessing um, financial um, counseling and financial um, advising assistance. It's helping people um, stabilize their utilities and rent to avoid eviction because eviction is such a a massive impact on somebody's stability, their um, financial stability, but then that also leads to their physical and emotional mental stability. You can't get services if you don't have a place to live. Um, We're doing some low-income Medicaid um, work this time around that we have not done as much in the past. And so all of that financial stability work really will have a good impact on the individuals we're working with in our eight counties. So that was new in our four-year plan, or that's in our 2023 update? That's new in our four-year plan. Okay, got it. Right. Got it. And we did make some new service specifications by looking at what some other area agencies on aging are doing um, to try to encourage more applications around some of that financial stability. Right. So that one's new. What's something that you've, has been in so many previous plans and still continues to be a challenge? Oh, transportation. Always, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's more transportation. It's more providers of transportation. Um, one of the things that I heard the first time around that I didn't hear as much of this time around was the need for um, bariatric transportation. So Interesting. Ind- individuals who have a higher weight who need to be transported, whether it's um, emergency or medical or non-medical transportation. Um, this time around, it really was housing. So housing, okay. you know, people have housing, they can um, maintain it, but maybe they can't um, you know, get up and down the stairs as easily as possible. And they want to downsize, but there's no place to downsize to. Mm-hmm. Um, they can't find affordable housing. They can't find um, housing that they can um, sustain over time. So it's housing was a big 
topic. It, as a matter of fact, I think it was more of a topic this time around in focus groups, especially than, than transportation even. Yeah, that housing stability is just key in everything that we do, whether it's uh, our programming side, which we're focusing on today, or our case management side, or our advocacy, or our funding. I mean, it's housing, housing, housing in right. Central Ohio. And everybody, you know, we think here in Central Ohio, we think Franklin County, Columbus is growing, but it's it's Delaware County, it's Union County up in Marysville, it's Licking County. Look out, Licking, yeah, it's that's coming be on huge fast. growth. Yeah, yeah, okay. So then, do you have a favorite? Um, issue area or objective any or or more than one favorite <laughs> <laughs> one of the i have to say this time around we are really focused on um how communications can support the work that we need to do um, we added a new person to the team last year and they and we're they're working our team is working really cohesively and we have um, campaign leads assigned to all of the work that we're doing so that um, somebody is um, we have Malika who's working with the caregiving team and she is helping them identify opportunities to tell the story to get the information out to get the resources highlighted so I feel like our work our communications team is working so much more cohesively with our partners, our staff partners, to be able to really amplify what we do, what we can do, if we can't do it, who can, mm -hmm. and to help keep people independent and um, living at home where they want to be. When I think about four years of a plan and the pandemic hitting, right? did that just totally blow up the last plan? I mean, how much shifting and changing and updating did you have to do in there? That's a good question. We, uh, it did and it didn't because we still are having consumers and individuals using transportation to get to medical appointments. We still are having um, people taking evidence-based workshops uh, those were able to shift to virtual delivery. Um, transportation is still transportation, but we also were able to add with CARES Act funding and with ARPA funding, uh, American Rescue Plan Act funding, we were able to add personal protective equipment um, such as masks and hand sanitizers so that even though um, people were still engaging in, you know, with others, we were helping to keep them safe. Case managers were doing more phone and virtual visits, no home visits, but they were still happening. So, um, you know, Title III still carried on. Um, caregiving support was still happening. Meals on Wheels was still happening. Um, you know, those kinds of things still happened. We had to just make the adjustments like everyone and continue to provide the services in a safe manner. And they loosened some of the restrictions too, which was nice until now they're tightening them all back up. And that's, you know, <laughs> right. never that great to right. tighten the reins. But um, I feel like in the essence of meeting this, you know, crisis or once in a lifetime, hopefully, um, situation, it was nice to kind of see how some of those restrictions were loosened to make sure. Right, right. One of the 
One of the big innovations from my perspective during our, uh, during COVID was the ability for meal providers to do grab and go meals. So, you know, yes, we want people to attend congregate um, and community meal sites so that they have that socialization, but it's, you know, sometimes you just want to go home and eat by yourself and have some quiet time. And so um, having the ability for individuals receiving meal services to go and do a grab and go at, um, at the meal site or at a local restaurant was right. really, uh, a, to me, a real innovation that was welcome. I totally agree. And do you know, are you able to explain a little bit more about the restaurant? Um, so instead, I know a little bit, okay. um, instead of having a meal provider or Meals on Wheels provider um, from, a, from a centralized industrial kitchen, um, local restaurants, especially those who can provide um, culturally appropriate meals, were able to be um, included as a meal provider. So, for instance, here in um, Franklin County, Life Care Alliance has partnerships with local restaurants, and they are almost like subcontractors. Okay, um, and provide whether it's um, meals for individuals with um, Somali background or Nepali. Um, or some other cultural um, kosher or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. So they're able to provide those um, connections for people to get meals that are that are um, more familiar to them. Yeah, and that's such a spot on insight, Tamara. I had our monthly um, O4A meeting where the AAA directors from Ohio get together for a monthly meeting, um, and top of mind and top topic. <laughs> try that one again. <laughs> Dippity top. <laughs> Um, and one of the topics we spent the most amount of time on was the ending of the public health emergency, the PAG, and how they were going to have to discontinue the grab-and-go meals um, because it became so popular. And to your point, it wasn't like people completely stopped congregating or going to congregate dining, but every once in a while, you just might not want to go hang out with people or maybe you're not feeling well and you don't want to spread your germs, but you still want your meal. Um, And so a lot of people are trying to figure out from the other AAAs what types of funds or how might they be able to continue having this option that was so well received. Right, right. And I really think that that is, my perception is that that's part of the Older Americans Act, that the um, value is on home-delivered meals and congregate meals. But someone who is not, um, you know, it's also consumer choice. If I am not somebody who likes to spend time with other people, I'm an, you know, if I'm an introvert and I don't value engaging with others, a grab and go meal may be my preference. And so that's where the the ability for those reauthorization and changes to the Older Americans Act really come into play because things evolve. And if we're really committing to consumer choice, then we should give consumers that choice as well. Absolutely. And we spent a lot of time having, um, so Linda Gillespie was heavily involved in some of the um, reauthorization updates that we wanted to see here. There were statewide efforts, but um, we did a lot of advocacy when they were collecting comments around what some of those updates should be. And I definitely remember putting that one in there. Right, 
Right. Just because we're over a person is over sixty doesn't mean that their personality is going to fundamentally change from I'm a people person and now I'm going to stay at home and get a a, a home delivered meal or. I am uh, someone who likes solitude, and I'm going to have to go to a congregate meal site and sit with people I don't want to sit with. Then, you know, it shouldn't be like high school. <laughs> right, right. Well, and I mean, when the pandemic happened, the first groups to be, quote unquote, like manda- mandated to be shut in were older adults. And right. so are we really that surprised that all of a sudden people aren't flocking to each other in these rooms when, you know, we kind of socialized everyone to fear groups. Right. So we're not going to swing that pendulum back all the way that yeah, quickly. It, w- it was such a split between people who were like, finally, I can stay home without shame. And then the other part of the people were, the other half were, we don't care. Open the senior center. We want to hang out and right. have fun and, you know, play pool and bingo and and crafts and cards and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it really, you know, it and neither was right and neither was wrong, but, right. you know. But the choice is the important part. Yes. You should be able to choose which one you want right. at what point in time. Right. Yeah. Okay, so to summarize, the Federal Older Americans Act, which is 50 years old, mandates that states have a state plan on aging. Ours is the Ohio Department of Aging. And for their state plan, they have every area agency on aging do a strategic area plan every four years. Right. And that plan is tied to or should should nod to the Title III funding that also comes out every four years. But every year we get the chance to do a strategic area plan update, which includes changing objectives, but also we state what funds we want to keep as an area agency and administer ourselves. Right. And then the rest of those funds go out per a formula to the rest of our counties to meet the needs of our strategic area plan. Right. And this this time around, we updated our formula because we have new census figures. Thank some you county, for doing that, by the way. Yeah. Some counties are growing. Some are shrinking. Um, it helps us also. I think we have um, not only just population, but low-income population and low-income minority population as our part of our, our formula so that we really can keep it standardized. It's not, um, it's not based on um a whim yes yes oh yeah plugging in the um, census data into uh, the formula includes percentage of 60 plus right percentage low income percentage minority uh it could be minority it could be my low income minority low income minority okay i'm not quite sure we since we don't adjust it very often it's kind of one of those things you set it's one and done forget it (laughs) set it and forget it (laughs) so okay we're coming to a close here and i like to always um ask a couple of fun questions so if there was one thing about crAAA that you would change or improve or something fun that you would add what would it be Hmm. that's a tough one we've heard everything from like a garden in the back to um cat rooms to nap rooms. All right. Uh, You know, it would be fun to be able to bring our dogs to work. It would be fun. But I say that because my dog sleeps all day. (laughs) So it would be like she wasn't even here. Yes. (laughs) 
until about four o'clock when it's like it's time for dinner, time, time for walks. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, but see, I would love that because I'd be like, oh, can I take her for a walk right. for you? Yeah. I'd be like, yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fun. We yeah. um, we have our wellness lab where some therapy dogs come in and it really just does bring the joy out of you. I don't have a dog. I have cats, which I love so much, but I don't know. Yeah. That would be a good one. You know, I think uh, I don't have, uh, I don't have little kids, but, I, you know, a, an on-site daycare oh, would be yes. such a quality of life thing. Uh, that would be huge. Would I've be heard about. I've heard so that one from many folks moving too. Parts and so much to work, but it would be. It would have a big Im- impact. I it think. would have a huge impact. Yeah. yeah. So then, my final, um, my final prompt is: What else do you want people to know about the strategic area plan, or you? Mm. Um, kind of, you know, some closing thoughts. Right. Right. It it probably does feel like there are times when. That's the only thing I talk about. It's like I get up in front of an all-staff meeting and they're like, ugh, she goes again. <laughs> uh, the, the interesting thing is our strategic area plan is a lot like a grant. It's like grant reporting. It's like grant writing. It's grant budget mm-hmm. development. It's very similar in terms of um, transferable skills. So it sounds to me, it sounds like it could be kind of dry and boring. And I imagine for people who aren't into grant writing and grant reporting, it is, but it really is um, dynamic and um, impactful because it also gives us a chance to really take a minute, look at what we're doing, look at where we need to go, and really uh, plan our work so that we get there. Yeah, it sets the foundation and direction for where we need to be going. Right, Yeah. right. And I try to do, you know, an update, a mid-year update, you know, like, don't forget about this. It's coming. (laughs) Whether you want it to or not. It never goes away. Just sort of exists in the background, keeping us on track. The future is coming. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being here today and for all of your work on this. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. I hope now you know something about the Strategic Area Plan. 